Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Reset with me, Sam Delaney, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. This week, I've talked to my guest about one of the biggest causes of mental illness in Britain today, gambling addiction. James Grimes got in touch with me a few months ago when I first started The Reset uh, to tell me about his own problems with gambling and how much of an issue it's become in the UK today. Gambling's a multi-billion pound industry that invests heavily in sports marketing and has become a seemingly normal, pretty harmless part of life for many people. But the truth about gambling is much darker, as this interview reveals. James had a promising career as a football coach, which was destroyed, along with pretty much everything else he valued in his life, by a rampant, uncontrollable addiction to betting. I'll leave James to explain all the details. This chat was a real eye-opener for me. I was aware of gambling addiction, but it wasn't something that had ever really touched my life directly, so I was pretty naive about just how dangerous and powerful a problem it is, and just how prevalent it is in British society. James is a great talker with a really powerful story to tell, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. James Grimes, welcome to The Reset. Pleasure, Sam. Thanks for having me on. I've listened to every episode so far, and it's been it's been really helpful for my recovery, actually. So uh, I'm really pleased to be on. Well, I'm really happy to have you here, and it was nice of you to get in touch when I first launched The Reset. And um, we had a, a discussion over email about uh, your um, struggle with gambling addiction. I realised this is not something I knew a huge amount about. It's not something that has, has touched my life directly, um, but it's something that obviously is a, is a massive and, as I understand it, growing problem in our society. Um, tell us about your story. Yeah, of course. And I, but before that, I should say that's a response I get quite a lot. I don't think gambling addiction is seen in the same light as other addictions and you know i'm sure we'll get onto some of the the harrowing stats around gambling addiction but i'm I'm hoping that the more people share their story about what gambling is doing to them the more that narrative will change myself i i started gambling as a child um i was 16 when i placed my first bet and i look back now when it was i i think i was a child of the ray winston era where everyone was told to have a 
bet every time they watch the football and to bet in play now and you know the, the whole narrative around it matters more when there's money on it mm. and that completely downplayed the risks of gambling to me as a child and I shouldn't have been gambling at 16 anyway. Obviously, you have to be 18 to go in the bookies, but I did, and it, it very quickly uh, escalated. I started going in there with my mates, but very soon I realised that it was just me going in there. And then soon after that, I realised I was hiding when I was in the bookies, like hiding behind the machine so my mum wouldn't see me if she was walking past doing her shopping. And this was at 16, 17. The minute I turned 18 and had access to online gambling, it just completely escalated into a, a full-blown addiction from an age where you know I should have been prioritizing so many other things in my life. And the only thing that I wanted to do uh, was gamble. And I want to emphasize as well that I had a good upbringing. Um, don't feel like I had a predisposition to addiction. I've never had an addiction to anything else. Gambling was the one thing in my life that did something to my brain that I just couldn't couldn't resist. And when I went to university, it, I basically spent all day, every day in my room gambling online, uh, spending every penny that I could get. And do you know what? It's not just about the money. It was such the, the waste of my those those formative years really I, I wasted my university I wasted career opportunities and it had severe detrimental effects on my mental health throughout which I'm sure we'll get onto but yeah it's uh, I'm now three years without a bet um, and I think I sometimes forget how bad it was it, it I become quite desensitized to it and I'm sure you can relate to that a bit but I, you know, it took me to the brink in 2018 when I placed my last ever bet. It, I, w I couldn't imagine a life with gambling anymore and I couldn't imagine a life without it. And I know that there's so many people out there that are still struggling to this day with an addiction that's just not talked about in the same breath as the others. You say that you didn't have a, um, uh, what you would see as a, a an addictive personality so you know when we talk about other addictions on this podcast it's very often i think that we might have had trauma or insecurities or you know the other other sort of issues lurking beneath the surface and really the drug of choice is there to sort of be a distraction from that you don't think you were trying to distract yourself so what was it do you think about it? Is it is it the, the chemical reaction, uh, 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 the excitement, the thrill that that your brain gets addicted to? Well, I should say that I'm I'm not an expert. I'm only an expert in my own experience, and I have raked through my past and trundled through it. And there's nothing that I can think of that has triggered my becoming a gambling addict. So I think it is the product. I think there's something addictive about the certain products that, that gamblers use fixed odds betting terminals in the bookies that used to be a hundred pound a spin and i used to spin a hundred pound a spin they're now two pound a spin they've been reduced um a couple of years ago now but they have addiction rates of up to 50 percent so it isn't about a few flawed individuals that are trying to just distract themselves on these machines these these machines cause addiction um, and that some of them are too dangerous to be on the high street. And online gambling is the same. Online slots carry a similar addiction rate. And trying to be less technical, more about actually what it did to me, when I use these products, 
in a, in a sense, it was a form of distraction because it distracted any rational thought. I was in a zone. I was completely um, lost in the use of these machines. That all all the the ideas of gambling responsibly, which is just a ludicrous message in itself when you're an addict, just go because that part of your brain is bypassed by how rapid these machines are. When you're smashing um, notes into a machine and pressing spin 50 times a minute, you don't get chance to have that moment of reflection and be like, hold on, maybe I should stop when the fun stops. Mm. Well, I mean, looking back, how could you have, you know, what would you have said to the 16-year-old you beyond just don't start? I mean, what, what was the moment where you think that this, this got out of hand? That's a very good question. Uh, I'd, I'd say don't don't start, don't spend your real formative years doing something that took so much time away more than it did money, to be honest. And, you know, I, I think we, we've created a generation of young people that think they have to have a bet on to watch the football, that think that um, gambling is a completely innocent, risk-free, casual activity. When the, the law, the current Gambling Act was passed, it was from the premise that this is a completely legitimate leisure pursuit, which of course it is for people, but it fails to understand that the, the risks, the inherent risks involved with all forms of gambling and with risk comes harm. And, you know, I, I honestly can't explain how powerful these products were enough that the most harrowing example I can give you is my, my dad was terminally ill in hospital and, you know, he had weeks left and I went to visit him at his bedside and I was, I was sitting there not talking to him, watching a roulette ball go round and round. I get a bit choked up talking about it now, but it, I can't tell you how much it created like a emotional disconnect. All I wanted to do was gamble. I didn't care about anything else uh, around me. And as I, as I keep saying, I do worry that because it's not seen in the same light, there's people out there that think this is just a bit of fun and it's only them that have got the problem. They own all that responsibility on themselves and that's why there is such a, a su high suicide risk with gambling addiction. And Did you get, you said earlier, you touched upon it, that you, you couldn't see a life with gambling or without it. Is, did, we, did you think about taking your own life? Yeah, I got I got to the point where I didn't I didn't want to be here anymore. It it came from I, I don't like to use the, the term rock bottom to describe it because I know that there are people that do take their own life. And I now work for a charity called Gambling with Lives, who was set up by um, bereaved parents of young men predominantly who took their own life as a result of their gambling addiction. And it's estimated up to six hundred and fifty people every year in this country take their own life as a result of their gambling addiction. Um, which is a complete shame on our nation that we've allowed regulation to, to for that to happen. And it came, the, the moment where I felt most suicidal was the last time I ever gambled. And you often hear gamblers in recovery say they get to this fork in the road where you do, unfortunately, take one way for some people or I don't take it for granted, but I took the other way. And I lost every single penny I had in the world in 20 minutes again. I had bailiffs coming round. I borrowed every single penny off every single person that I knew. I was crying myself to sleep because I was losing all my money again. And I just didn't want to be here anymore. But somehow 
in that pit of misery when I was living in a basement in Huddersfield with no windows, I managed to um, stop gambling. And I don't know how, but something did click. And since then onwards, life has been infinitely better. Obviously, life's better without gambling, but it's not to say there's not permanent damage. 12 years of addiction has caused some scars, as I'm, I'm sure you can relate to yourself. I can. Um, and things got pretty extreme. You lost jobs. You lost. You were sleeping in train stations at one point. Is that right? Yeah. And the whole time, this maybe sounds arrogant. You know, I'm not, I'm not a stupid bloke. I'm not. I felt like I could control every area of my life except this. So when it got to the point where I was had nowhere to, to live and I was sleeping in a train station for a couple of nights, I was like, how has this thing done this to me at this age? And yeah, that was a real low moment. But that whole time, though, was was all consumed by needing to find money to go and get that fix. So even in those darkest moments, you don't have that moment of being like, oh, this is terrible. This is ridiculous. You must stop. How have you done this to yourself? It's about, right, who am I going to borrow money off? Where am I going to find some money to go and get this gamble? And that's obviously how the, the spiral continues. Yeah, I mean, that mentality is so relatable to anyone who's had an issue with drink or drugs or anything else. I mean, you know, it just is your life. And therefore in some ways it is a release from real life like you said earlier because you're not there's nothing really else on your mind nothing else feels relevant no other problems uh, really exist beyond that very kind of almost blinkered look at how do i get my next fix basically yeah yeah and and then how hard that is to maintain any form of relationship any form of job any motivation you know i look back and the way that I treated my mum during that time, especially the lies I told to, to not pay money back or to get money to gamble. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of shame and guilt still there because of it. And you, you know, that once again, I think a lot of people own that on themselves and that that's why that suicide risk is there for gambling addicts. So well, tell me a bit about how your recovery began. You know, you had this sort of moment and, and then obviously picked yourself up. What who was there for you? Was it was there people who, who helped you get on the road to recovery? Well, my first point of call was my mum, who had took the brunt of my addiction for years, and I rang her and for the first time I didn't say about the damage it had done just to my wallet. I started to say to her, Mum, this was making me feel suicidal. I didn't want to be here anymore cry myself to sleep and when that happened I realized the more I vocalized it and the more honest I was it was the first time I could hear myself describe what it had done to me and I, I, can, I can't emphasize enough to everyone that is currently listening that might be struggling be honest with yourself first and foremost and then be honest with the person closest to you and you won't get that cold shoulder you're expecting 99% of the time. And immediately after that, um, my mum took control of my uh, bank and uh, statements, which quite embarrassing at 28 years old, but it was needed. And that was a massive um, motivator for me, knowing that if I ever slipped, my mum would be there looking over me. And from, the, from then onwards, it was 
having that same conversation with my best mates, having the same conversation with um, my employer and putting uh, practical tools in place to stop gambling. So there's um, things like Gam Stop and Gam Ban, which actually put a barrier on your phone so you can't access gambling sites. But more for myself, it was then learning about the gambling industry and learning about how this did this to me, how it sold me addictive products, how it put me on VIP schemes and how it allowed me to deposit my nan's inheritance money, etc. Obviously, I have to take some responsibility for what I did and what happened to me, but the gambling industry took no responsibility and, in fact, incentivized my illness. And when I started learning about that, I started realizing that, you know, they don't deserve another penny of my money. They don't deserve deserve another minute of my time. And from that moment, it's, yeah, it's, it's helped me with my recovery, but also helped me with my advocacy on trying to change gambling for the better. So it sounds like, you know, a lot of this, you obviously had support from your mum, but it wasn't like you went into a facility, went into rehab or anything like that. I mean, Gamblers Anonymous, is that something that you tried or? No. Well, so Gamblers Anonymous, uh, I mean, do great work and help a lot of people. But for me, um, as a young man, I had a probably wrong stereotypical image of what GA looked like, like older blokes sitting in a room talking about their problems and it just it just wasn't for me and I'm, I'm pleased to say now that there are a lot more um treatment and support options out there for for gamblers these there's the nhs gambling clinics um and there's a gordon moody treatment center as well but i, I spent years in denial that i was an addict so treatment seems a far cry to what i actually uh, needed um and yeah i i know that um GA and these treatment and support systems uh, do some really good work. But for every one person they currently pluck out, the gambling industry is throwing thousands more back in. And it's, and it's, it's hard to stomach when, when you've been through that to know the damage it's causing. What do you think about current regulation? Where is it wrong? What sort of regulation do you think is required? Well, I'm, Based on my own experiences, the, the advertising and promotion of gambling in society was was my way in. Its close relationship with football um, made it seem very normalised. And it's not to say gambling is not a normal thing, but having a 24-7 casino in your pocket without any real restrictions in place, I don't think is a normal thing. And it does cause harm. So the, the Gambling Act review is currently ongoing. Um, the current act is is called a, uh, a, a analog act in the digital age, and it ma- it makes more mentions of postal betting than it does online gambling. So you can see how it's outdated. Um, and we're all about reducing the exposure of gambling across society, especially in sport, but also making the product safer. You shouldn't have a situation where you can spin hundreds of pounds every second. And that that will then cause addiction. So both of those are two big things for us, but also improving the messaging as as well, because as I'm sure you've all seen that the messaging around it is all about staying in control. 
set limits, keep it fun. When the fun stops, stop. But for many people out there who have struggled with gambling will know those messages verge on farcical to the point where I, I vividly remember some of these pop-ups happening when I was spending hours on a slot machine and just like laughing out loud at them. It was, they don't, they don't do anything. So we need proper public health messaging like we have with uh, tobacco. Mm. And, and similarly, like, you know, when you were 16. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Perhaps if your parents had been more aware of what was going on and, and of the risks of it, then... You know, the thing is, parents for, for generations have been inundated with messaging about how to support if your kids are um, taking drugs, right, and what to do and how to understand that, you know, even if it, it feels innocent, it could be the thin end of the wedge. This is stuff that people know about drugs. Do you, you know, is is that an issue? Do you think your parents would have reacted more uh, differently had had there been better messaging around how severe this issue is? 100%. Um, there was absolutely nothing for me or my parents at, at that age. It was all based on that premise that this is a completely normal, legitimate leisure activity. And we know that public health issues require public health messaging. And one of the parents from Gambling With Lives says quite a stark comment she lost her son jack to a gambling related suicide and she says that um everybody knows that drugs kill but nobody knows that gambling kills and that's a message that we need to get out there because as i said up to 650 gambling related suicides but i think more um um stark than that actually is the amount of attempted suicides by gambling addicts is estimated up to twenty thousand people who are struggling with gambling attempt to take their own life every year. So this isn't a small problem with a few flawed individuals. So the messaging should be, um, yeah, a lot stronger. And for, and for parents as well. Parents um, are on a barrage of gambling promotion without any awareness of the, the risks involved with their children. So, you know, it, the stats you're telling me are really alarming. Your story is very powerful and you know shocking and you sort of think okay i don't know about this i'm being educated right here the government must be aware public health authorities must be aware so does this come down to the fact that you know in a, in a, especially now in such a struggling time economically that these gambling companies are huge providers of jobs and tax revenue 
Is that is that your suspicion as to why the advertising, for instance, isn't being regulated in the same way tobacco is? Yeah, and I think nowhere more is that felt than in football. The in in the Premier League, we've got ten of the top twenty clubs that have a gambling company on their shirt. The whole league sponsored by a gambling company, so they just have such a strong influence that they will resist any form of change. And the, the people that they give their money to aren't going to be calling for change either whilst they're financially benefited from it. And also another problem we have in this country is all research, education and treatment into gambling is funded by the gambling industry. So it's a very messy picture and they do have the year of government and they have the year of DCMS in government who are currently leading this review. And, you know, it's very hard for people that have been harmed by gambling to keep up with a 14 billion pound industry and no one wants to see job losses no one wants to see people that work in the gambling industry harmed just as much as people like me harmed but the jobs and tax revenue argument i think can be a flawed one i think actually the the cost to gambling addiction to society is woefully underestimated you know i i'm one small example but there's people out there that have served prison time if we're um if we're putting people in prison that have committed crime because of gambling addiction that's a drain on this country's resources we'd be better off trying to prevent gambling addiction in the first place and i think there has been a study from sweden that does estimate the cost of problem gambling to society is twice the amount of tax revenue that the gambling industry brings to the country but to get that message out through a complete noise of gambling promotion and normalization is difficult. Um, we're doing all we can. We, we speak to hundreds of people harmed by gambling. We try and use a little cliche catchphrase. We are the evidence too, because we need to be listened to during this review, but it's difficult and you're right. And it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to stomach sometimes, but we'll, we'll keep banging the drum. Um, you know, I've been involved in sports media one way or another for many years, working on talk sport, which is to such a, a huge extent, you know, funded by ab- ab- betting advertising. And even my other podcast, Top Flight Time Machine, you know, um, has gambling sponsors. I, I don't I don't know how I feel talking to you now about the fact that I, I would have indirectly financially benefited from this sector, um, but I undoubtedly have. And I have to admit that to myself and to you. And I think maybe we all need to sort of look a little bit longer and harder at that because I suppose there was a time that people would have said all of the exact same arguments about the tobacco industry in terms of jobs and tax revenue, right? And the world has survived without tobacco having that amount of influence anymore. That must be at least a little bit of encouragement to you. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't alive. I was alive, but I wasn't an adult when tobacco advertising was permitted. And I do hear that they made the same arguments about um, Formula One's a good example. They said it would collapse without tobacco sponsorship money. It doesn't look like it's going to collapse anytime soon. Last time I checked. And you know, Sam, that I'm a massive fan of you and your podcasts and I make no judgment whatsoever. But all I would say is when I listen to that podcast and I hear an advert for free spins on slot machines. I'm stable enough in my recovery to ignore it, but there's people out there that won't and relapses 
to gambling addiction can cause suicide. And I know that sounds drastic, but I want to return to a society where, like you said, gambling is tolerated. Don't want to stop anyone having a bet. There's nothing wrong with people having a bet, but not promoted. Returns that point of unstimulated demand. People, if people want to have a bet, they know where to go now. The, the word's been out there long enough. I don't think we need to promote it in everything that we watch and listen to. I, you know, I listen to football podcasts, watch football, watch the highlights, listen to the radio, and I have to fight those adverts every single time. And I'm in recovery, and it's the equivalent to a recovering drug addict being promoted cocaine when they're listening to their favorite podcasts. And as I say, it comes with no judgment, but I'd encourage not just you, but everybody to, to really think about where this money comes from. It's estimated that 60% of profits in the gambling industry come from just 5% of customers. And those customers, let's not beat around the bush, are people like me. They're people that are likely displaying gambling addiction. And, you know, I, I hope that this review and with my Big Step campaign, um, we're, we're calling for an end to gambling advertising, sponsorship and promotion in football. But I hope that we, we just tackle the, the relentless assault of gambling promotion across society, not just in football. So you've mentioned about what, what you do in your campaigning, um, but you mentioned Big Step. Now just tell me a little bit more about Big Step, how you started it. Uh, and and where it is today yeah sure so um quite selfishly it it came um during my early stage of recovery where i was really struggling to watch football without a bet on anyway but when i started to watch it again um i just couldn't not notice so many gambling adverts around the pitch on the shirts the name of a stadium the name of a league very hard to ignore and as I said selfishly I thought that was quite unfair and I still do think it's unfair for recovering addicts to see that level of advertising in football but uh, as time went on I had an idea of walking to football clubs that had gambling sponsorships and initially it was just going to be a fundraising walk but when we did it we we got a lot of support from the public. We got actual support from supporters club and supporters clubs. And also we realized there's an appetite out there amongst parents. We were speaking to parents who were like, we don't, we don't want our kids being on the end of gambling promotion every time we watch football. So from then on, we've, uh, we've now had four different events where we walk to football clubs. We visited West Ham, West Ham, actually, sorry, this sounds like a dig at everything today, Sam, but West Ham were the only club that didn't um, speak to us. They completely shut the door. And if you watch a West Ham game, you can see probably why that was the case. It's It feels like the Betway Arena at, mm. at times, mm. especially during COVID. So we, um, we, we, ho- we host these events. We campaign to politicians. We've got a petition, um, which is currently at 8,000 signatures. And it's just all about getting as much support as possible for an end to the ludicrous amount of gambling advertising and sponsorship in football. One one quick stat is when you watch Match of the Day, up to 89% of the time a gambling brand is visible. That's that's just not normal and it's not healthy for, for kids or for people that are struggling with gambling. And how is your recovery today? How much at risk do you still feel every day on some level? 
I, I feel relatively stable, um, although I, I'd say it has been made harder because of COVID, like everybody. I'm not ashamed to say that for the first time this year, I've started to get uh, regular counselling, which has just given me a chance to go through everything that happened and trying to iron out some of those scars that I still have. It. And, and especially that shame and guilt, the shame and guilt of the things I did are very hard to forget but it's been really helpful and you know I, I can't lie talking about distracting again advocacy and campaigning is quite a good distraction it gives me like a layer of accountability mm. Mm. you know imagine if I started gambling tomorrow when I've, when I've launched a petition with absolutely on that, mate. So- I mean the reset in a way is, is simply you know it's like in some ways it's selfish. I hope that it helps people, but in some ways it's selfish because it's like exactly right. If you're accountable and you're out there talking about this stuff, then it really puts you, put, exposes you because any addiction is so much about secrecy, isn't it? And once you take away the secrecy and just admit everything and put yourself out there, the stakes are so much higher, aren't they, in yeah. terms of your relapse? Yeah, it feels like a complete impossibility to me now maybe maybe that's naive i I heard you talk to paul denan about Mm. um how you have to constantly have your guard up and that's really that's really hit home actually in the last few weeks since that went out about just being careful that i'm not doing all of this because of a distraction and that actually at times when i'm not campaigning times when i'm not talking about my story and i'm just me and i'm just got james hat on without any of the others that i am okay comfortable and i don't go to that place where i want to gamble so that's mm. been really helpful mm, absolutely right i mean that is paul is someone who's very well versed in like the 12 steps approach something that i've dabbled in but i'm no expert and that that for me is one of the biggest benefits of the 12 steps in whether that's ga or ca or aa or whatever is that thing of being constantly accountable and also being constantly vigilant that's mm. something that I've heard in, in the meetings that I've attended. Um, it's that thing of like, you, you, it's a constant reminder that you have to be vigilant. I remember seeing one in The Wire. I don't know if you ever used to watch The Wire, but there was one series of that where they uh, a lot of it was based around a, a Narcotics Anonymous group. And the way that a guy phrased it in that was, it's like, you can feel as strong and relaxed and as sober as you like, but you need to remember that your addiction is in the gym doing one-armed press-ups every day to get stronger than you, right? And I've always remembered that because it's kind of like I I sort of generally feel like you. I don't I don't get urges on the whole, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not someone who is fighting the urge to have a drink or, or take some drugs every day by any means. But I think, you know, there's better, better men and women than me of relapsed after sometimes 20 years you know so i guess that's that's a good thing and and that's great that you're getting counseling as well because you know i i talked to a therapist once we funny enough i'm talking to straight after this quite looking forward to it and and it's like just by in a way it's just a monitor it's just a monitor of where's your where your head's at because there are flashpoints for any addiction that i think are similar gambling drugs drink whatever which are moments of boredom and loneliness you know, I don't know if that was a sort of a moment. Those empty moments were triggers for you. They're certainly triggers for me. Bored, lonely, down. 
I mean, they always say in in recovery they have that whole thing: hungry, angry, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and they're quite simple, straightforward emotions. But I've I know that all of those have been triggers for me when I was still in that life. Yeah, I, during addiction, the, some of the worst moments were when a life event happened as well, like so, well, dealing with grief. I didn't deal with grief; I just exacerbated my addiction tenfold. So I think I do. It, obviously things like that are going to happen again in my life. So I have to be very vigilant. And that quote from The Wire is uh, it's very eye-opening that. And mm. this is yeah, something I've not thought about. And without making it all about gambling again, of course, gambling is unique in that sense because to use the analogy of them doing a one-arm bicep curl or whatever it was, mm. the gambling industry are out there doing that 30 seconds from my house. Yeah. Which of course is the same as alcohol as well, but it, it's it just feels more pervasive and... there's, a, there's a difference though actually i mean i often talk about the way that drink is around it, messaging about drink in some way is more subtle because people are portrayed every day in soap operas or yeah. movies or or whatever and it's always it look you know and these aren't people who are even being making money out of it right these are just like movie directors and the best cinematographers and the greatest actors in the world making drinking look so benign and glamorous and delicious and brilliant, right? Uh, when all too often the exact reverse is true. However, from what you're saying, you're making me think, you know what? The gambling industry, quite different to alcohol, tobacco and narcotics in that they are constantly researching and looking at ways specifically to make this into a habit. Yeah. Where you could argue that alcohol firms aren't doing that with their advertising. They could legitimately argue that their advertising is about encouraging you to choose their brand over another brand. Whereas it seems to me that the products that, that the gambling industry are developing and adapting and evolving constantly, uh, you know, the whole product development is, is driven by a, a, the sense of how can we, make this more of a habitual thing maybe not an addictive thing i'm sure they wouldn't use that word but certainly they want to encourage habit don't they they want to encourage to keep you playing because the longer you're playing the the longer you're losing the products are, are guaranteed to make profit and that's mm. why gambling is a unique product in that sense because the product itself is losing money with alcohol you get something back and you don't get anything tangible back and the appeal strategies they use now you've said that I, I can see it. They are different. It's about encouraging you to spend time. And some of the worst adverts, I don't know if you've seen them, are the bingo ones that mm. make it out to be like, especially stereotype again, but especially for women, mm. that this is a, a social thing that you can do with your mates when, you know, it's sitting on your phone, scrolling, playing online bingo. So, yeah, the appeal strategies are, are quite dangerous and I'm... I'm I have to I have to face them every time I watch TV, I'm afraid. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And I, and I wish you all the best, both in your campaign and in, and in your personal recovery, mate. Thank you, Sam. Very kind. Thanks for having me on. There you go, James Grimes. A really impressive bloke who's conquered his demons the hard way. No therapy, no rehab, no 12 steps. He just dragged himself out of it by the scruff of the neck. Remember, though, that won't work for everyone. My advice, for what it's worth, is always to seek help. Speaking of which, 
If you feel like your gambling is getting out of hand, you might want to talk to gamcare.org.uk or call their helpline on 0808 8020133. Or you should find your local Gamblers Anonymous meeting by searching on their website, which is gamblersanonymous.org.uk. It's not as weird as you might think at those 12-step meetings. They're very warm places. You learn a lot and often it's quite a good laugh too. Also, if you want to find out more about James's Big Step campaign, visit his website at the-bigstep.com. Also, subscribe to the Reset newsletter at samdelaney.substack.com so you get my writing dropped into your inbox every Friday afternoon. Thanks for listening, gang. Be lucky. And remember, don't let the dickheads get you down. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.